Hi, I'm Jenny Ottaway, and welcome to the foundation of you. Whether you're feeling stuck in your job or you're considering a midlife crisis, hold up, there's a better way. I'm here to help you knock down the walls that no longer serve you. I'll teach you tools to help you rebuild your life, your way, the auto way. Let's get started. Ah, so welcome everybody to another fantastic episode of The Foundation of You. And today I'm just super, super excited because I've got uh, just somebody that I have, we've never actually met in person, but I, I feel like I know Katie Wilkinson, like a good friend would, you know, Katie, um, it's just such a delight to have you on the show today because, you know, you and I, um, have, well, we've got a lot of similarities for a start. The first is, is that we both came together through our, our coach, Ruby Lee. So another, you know, fellow Australian um, and just really the, the person who's created pathways for all of us to step into who we really are meant to be in this, in this lifetime. So um, it's been such a, a wonderful journey to watch you as you go along your journey um, and see how you've grown and what you offer your clients. And, you know, right now, you know, today you're focusing on your quantum, uh, your quantum business side, as well as you're a wealth coach. And I just love that because it really does declare who you are and what you stand for. So welcome today. Thank you so much, Jenny. That was the best introduction. I'm super excited. I know it feels like we know each other so well, but we haven't even met, which is crazy to me. And we did a live over on your Instagram a while ago. And I just knew like we had to do a podcast episode. So I'm so yeah. glad I'm here today. Yeah. Yes. And I think, you know, because what we are, the space that we're in, you know, a lot of people, they may not really, they know obviously what wealth coaching is, but they may not know necessarily how you help clients in the quantum space and to up-level their business in that way. So, you know, wealth is an attitude. It's a state of being. And I guess, do you think that, or why do you think that people struggle so much with the idea of wealth? Oh, this is such like a juicy big one to start off with. Yeah, let's go. Bang. Yeah, there's so much to unpack. And I think ultimately a lot of it is to do with our upbringing and how wealth is perceived in society. And there's often, you know, this spectrum, but there's two extremes. One is scarcity, deficit, never enough. Money is the root of all evil. Rich people are greedy. Money, money, money. And it controls your life because money is a huge thing. If you don't have money, every single decision that you're making is based off, can I afford this? Do I have enough? Constantly checking your bank account and just like, you know, it's it's in this really scarcity mode versus the other side gets to be abundant, beautiful, supportive, overflow, always more than enough and it gets to be part of your purpose and your mission. And so a lot of people, you know, have a really negative relationship with money because society perpetuates this negative um, perception of money and that it's hard to come by and that rich people are greedy and all of this. And a lot of us learn this from our parents and that we think rich 
equates to how much money that you have, whatever that standard is. You're rich when you hit a million dollars or six figures or 10 million. And so we believe that we are not worthy of wealth or we're not in that category. We can't experience the beauty of abundance until we have the monetary aspect. And so we continue to feel poor and perpetuate the cycle until we reach that figure of money. And the paradox is that you have to actually feel rich first in order to become rich financially. And something that I will always remember is that my father, since a young age, which I'm so grateful for this because this changed my whole relationship with money, always said to me, rich is a state of mind. Rich is a state of being. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. And that has stuck with me until today. And I continue to see this evolve and play out in people's lives. Rich and wealth and fortune, abundance, whatever you like to call it, really is an energy. It yeah. really is an experience. And I have witnessed wealth um, on all different extremes. I've witnessed incredible wealth. 10 people with $10 million, $100 million. I've witnessed wealth break up families. I've witnessed people in poverty. My mother was an immigrant, came to Australia, $20,000 in debt and ended up you know, creating eight plus figures as a single mother of two children. Um, she didn't even know how to speak English when she first came here, right? So wow. I've also seen the other spectrum, people with $100 million end up becoming bankrupt and end up living out of a car. And so ultimately, what I've been able to understand is that people who experience wealth and who are an emanation of wealth, it's because of their energy. They feel wealthy. They feel abundant. They feel mm. connected. And there are millionaires who actually aren't wealthy because they feel scarcity, because they fear money, because they still are hoarding money. They don't know how to spend money. They're still judging people who have yes. more money than them. And on the other hand, I've seen people who you might describe as poor and broke are actually really wealthy inside because they feel the abundance and they know that wealth is a state of being and they don't have this negative relationship with money. So one big thing and message that I'm here to share with people is that wealth is a state of being. It is a frequency. It's an energy. And it doesn't really matter how much money you have. That's never going to change how you feel. But in fact, how you feel will have an impact on the amount of money and um, finances that you are able to attract in your physical reality. Mm, wow. Yeah, that, that was, that's huge. <laughs> that is so huge. And I think that for me, like as you were talking, you know, wealth is a state of being. A lot of times people have said, well, wealth or, you know, is a state of mind. Is it, is it the two or do you distinguish between the two or is that part of it? It's like a component. So beautiful. So I used to focus a lot on traditional mainstream manifestation, which is a lot to do with the mind and your thoughts. But as I've researched more into quantum and consciousness, I've recognized that true quantum is beyond the mind. So the quantum field is a unified field of infinite potential. As Joe Dispenza says, when you're in the quantum, you're no body, no mind. You are just pure energy and consciousness. So therefore, I do say things such as state of mind because it resonates with people, but I do believe that it's more of a state of being because when you are tapped into your infinite energy and potential, you actually don't have a mind. So on 
the mind level, you can think things and create things, but it's much deeper to actually have it emanate from your pure consciousness and state of being. So I think state of being is a lot more powerful and you can integrate on a deeper level rather than just on the mind level. Either way really works depending on how you like to play with it. Yes. Yes. And also being a a Joe Dispenza student myself, you know, I know that there's also that coherence between what the mind is thinking, the imagination and what the heart is feeling. And when those Mm -hmm. two things come together, that's where the magic happens. Right. Yeah. And that also can be incoherence as well. So what a lot of people talk about is if you think something, that is your ultimate reality. And if what you're thinking, your heart must be feeling that or your energy must be in coherence with that. But for many people, you can actually create a sense of separation and um, differentiate between the two. And this is why I don't believe that your thoughts necessarily create reality. You can think all day, 24 seven, that you're rich, you're rich, you're wealthy, you're wealthy. I'm abundant, fortune, money, it's all coming to me. I'm a millionaire, I'm a billionaire. But if internally your state of being, um, there's some contradiction there or incongruencies and it's not aligned, then your thoughts don't really mean anything because energy is much deeper and potent than thoughts. That's something to recognize as well. Thoughts can influence your energy, but if you're thinking things and your energy isn't aligned, then you're kind of stuck and you're not really creating anything. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I love about your, um, you know, just your philosophy is this concept of unrealistic wealth. Like, you know, unrealistic wealth, like there's wealth and then there's unrealistic wealth, you know? So it just like, it takes it that one step up. (laughs) Like, so for people who are listening, you know, is unrealistic wealth available for everybody? What do you think? Of course, we all are in the quantum. Everything's available. Even if you're asking a question, is it available? It means you're not even operating in the quantum, which I know you're not taking the answer, uh, asking that question. But for anyone listening, manifestation rights all about the belief you know, saying it's possible and all that. When we dive into the quantum, it's a much deeper level. Everything's already done. You can't even ask the question, is it possible or Mm. is it impossible? Because nothing is impossible. It's already there. There's a version of you that is broke. There's a version of you that's a millionaire. There's a version of you that's a billionaire. It's all there. And so unrealistic wealth, even that definition for me, it's subjective to everyone. Some people might think a million dollars is unrealistic. Some people might think that's very realistic. Some people might think a billion dollars is unrealistic. And some people might think that's realistic. So I use that term to say that I want people to break out of what they perceive as realistic and go beyond that. Go beyond what you even think is imaginable into the unimaginable. And that is where you're able to become or unbecome the quantum you. And so this is what I'm really talking about. There are no standards, hierarchies, levels of what's realistic and what's unrealistic. It's just about you changing what you think is realistic and opening it up and realizing everything is realistic. And that's when you're playing in the realm of unrealistic for other people. Mm. Yeah, it's really about, I just, I kind of imagine these constraints and just breaking through of these constraints of what society has tried to impose on us. You know, there's never like, you're never enough. So therefore you need this, you know, you're, you're, it's just, it really is about harnessing that what's possible out there, you know, dream big, dream as big as you possibly can, because 
you know, that expression, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. You know, yeah. you will get it. <laughs> you will. <laughs> you know, we know that. So that's it's such an empowering place to be. Did you have you always tapped into that or has it just sort of how's that developed and evolved for you? Yeah. So I think for all of us, again, we are raised in a particular way based on our parents and our community, our upbringing and society and what is normal. Like, for example, in, you know, this country, Australia standard compared to maybe other countries and what you earn is, is different. So there's all these different, um, you know, limitations and constraints and certain things that are placed on you. But it's just about realizing, you know, what is the standard that you are trying to set. And so for me, I did have certain limitations and constraints, although I think a lot of it, this, my standard was a little bit higher or a little bit, maybe that's not the right term, but probably a bit more unrealistic because of my parents and what they were able to create. And that became my norm. Like everyone in my family has a business. So I was like, that's normal to me. I'm surrounded by a lot of wealthy people. So that became my norm, but I still had to break through a lot of things going through the school system. There are a lot of like things that were placed on me, um, you know, go to uni and get a degree and all this stuff. So over time, I just keep breaking it and breaking it and becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but yeah, there were obviously certain limitations that I did have to break through. And it's not really about where you're starting out and what the standard and, and what's realistic for you when you're starting out, but it's all about continuously um, breaking that. So definitely just in the past couple of years, that's gotten a lot bigger. Now, I truly, truly don't believe that anything is impossible. Like I see it for like, life is just a game. You can do, be, and have whatever you want. And I can confidently say five years ago, I definitely wasn't like that. So again, it's all about that process. And as I dive deep into it, the more I'm able to unbecome all these things and tap into my limitless nature. Mm. You know, I mean, there's a couple of things that I want to highlight there is one is that, um, you know, we're in different generations, you and I, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and um, only by a couple, really. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it's all a state of mind. How Age you, isn't a thing. It is not a thing. But I, I think what I want to um, encourage and inspire in younger people, um, because, you know, for those people listening, Katie is um, considered young in by age, but, you know, wise beyond her years and in my eyes. So I think I want to offer that hope to people who are just starting out. Um, and, you know, even to particularly to like my daughters who are, they're just a few years younger than you. And I want, how did you decide that you were going to break those, um, constraints from what society expected of you, you know, it takes a really strong heart or a strong will to be able to, you know, to say, I'm not for that because I know something bigger is out there. How, you know, how did you kind of make that transition at such a young yeah. age? If, if I, and I'm not being ageist at all. I just, I really no. am. In, I am being inspired because I took the path of university because that's what was mapped out for all of us in my generation. So it's a really incredibly inspiring story from my standpoint. And I wish it for others, you know? 
Thank you. So there are so many things in this. I think ultimately, um, like there are a lot of restrictions and limitations and what I was going to say for a second, (laughs) let it come to me. Hmm. Um, I just lost my train of thought. This like never happened. It was more around, you know, the, as young, like, you know, that, that whole, it's almost like there's an institution, you know, the institution says you have to do this. So, you know, it takes a strong person or, you know, either in will or in heart to go, actually, no, I'm going to march to the beat of my own drum. And it looks like Mm -hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I think for me, ultimately, I did actually, I was a little bit <laughs> brainwashed as maybe not the term, but I kind of use that to think like I was actually going to go to university and do all of that because school was very much like putting that on you, mm-hmm. um, especially going to a private school. But I do think um, my parents played a big role in that as well because they were supportive in whatever decision I made. Both my parents did actually go to university, but they didn't use their degree. And so when I was in school, I realized like at the age of 16, I wanted to start a business and my parents supported that. And then I wanted to study kinesiology at like an untraditional university. They supported that. I wanted to quit my nine to five to um, start a business. So they supported that. So that was a really big thing for me. And I think I probably wouldn't have gotten this far if I wasn't supported in that way as well, in which they showed me that from the beginning, I knew, okay, you didn't have to go to university in order to be successful. So it's finding those expanders, not to say that if you have traditional parents in in that, you know, um, say that you have to go the mainstream way that um, you can't do it, but it's all about finding those people. So it might be me, it might be you, it might be other people who are able to break the mold in that way. But in a lot of ways, I knew I didn't fit in because of the way that my parents did raise me, even when I did get a job, I was way too opinionated. I'm probably, I'm not a good employee because I just speak too much. (laughs) They even said to me, like, you need to shut up. You need to close your mouth. And I just couldn't. And so it was ultimately realizing like all these things, what do I really want? I don't just want to do it because it makes me unhappy. And it is, okay, now I remember what I was going to say. It is really scary because it is our natural instinct to actually fit in. Like it is our primal brains say that you need to fit in with everyone else. Otherwise you're going to be segregated and you're essentially going to die. Like in the wild, when you're segregated from the pack, you are probably not going to survive. So that's one big, big thing, realizing, yes, we live in a modern day world, but we have primal brains. But just noticing that and understanding that enables us to actually break through and create different change and say, no, it is actually safe to go down this path. It is safe to break away. And now I'm so proud that I did because a lot of my friends, you know, I'm only 23, are just graduating university in piles and piles of student debt. And some of them love it. And that's awesome. But I know a lot of them don't and are stuck. And now they have to find a career and they're going to, you know, do that thing for the rest of their lives because they only have that one degree. And if they want to get do something else, they've got to get another degree, which is fine if that's a path for you. But now I feel like I have found my truth and I'm really doing something that I love. And so that's just one big thing. It's just asking yourself, like, what is going to make you happy? And are you willing 
to go out there and um, potentially be segregated, go out there and do something unusual and abnormal, but at least you're following your path and your truth rather than being um, stuck in something that you hate. And so I always had to ask myself the question, if I could be, do and have anything that I want, what is it going to be? Because there are actually no restrictions. And I started to use that as my way of going out there and deciding to, you know, what decision do I actually want to make? And so that was one big thing. Even when I started my business, it was like, I went into this as if my success was already inevitable, despite what everyone else was telling me. So that's kind of how I would say it's really important to, to break free from the mold and decide for yourself what is it that you actually want? And there's no right or wrong path. It's just the one that is calling to you. If that's university, awesome. If that's not, realize that that is equally an option to you as well. Mm, Yeah. And it's okay. Like what you said, it's okay to say, what is it that I truly want? What what would make me really happy? Or, you know, what, like look inside ourselves and just, take that time to consider. Cause I know for many, they go, their first response is, Oh, I don't know. Because mm. they've never had either asked, been asked the question or it's really for them. It feels difficult to go to that place where if all of your wildest dreams and desires could come true, what would that look like? If you could be truly happy doing something that you loved, what would that look like? And it's amazing the responses that I've gotten, you know, from people where they say, well, but I'd never make any money doing that. But how do you know? Exactly. And that's where I think for myself, I know when I I come from an IT background and sales and management and, you know, very successful IT uh, career. And I will never forget the moment when I was walking through this conference because every year they would hold these big companies would hold these big hoo-ha, you know, conferences and they would we'd display our products and our services to sell them to people. And it was very, for me, it was very um, just kind of stilted. I never felt you know, of course I, I sold things that I was very happy and proud to sell, but from my heart and my soul, I never felt truly fulfilled in that space. And I remember the moment when I was walking through this hall of all these vendors and thinking, what am I doing here? You know, where is my joy? Where is my calling? And, and I think that's what I want to inspire others through, you know, I'm, I'm the version of myself now that I wish I'd been when I was 23, you know, (laughs) but no regrets because all roads lead to here. And that, you know, this, I remember saying to one uh, employer, you know, all roads have led me to here where I am. And it's true, all of our experiences. And this is my time now to explore quantum and, you know, the whole concept of we co-create our reality now. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And thank you. And I think that that's where I want to inspire people to know, you know, if, if you're just starting out in the quantum field or in the quantum space and you haven't really studied much, you know, what's the most important practice would you say would be for somebody who's just starting out and exploring this for themselves? 
Ooh, that is really big. I think the couple of things that I would say is really get a deep understanding of what quantum is. I know there's a lot of people are starting to talk a lot about it a little bit more, but it is quite like an in-depth thing to understand. When you fully understand and integrate it, like your life will be completely changed. And there's like a quote that says, if your mind isn't blown by quantum physics and you don't actually understand what quantum physics is. So that's really important. It's not just to like, oh, kind of grasp it a little, but I think I get it. Like it is important, I think, to have a deep understanding of what the quantum is, what, what does it look like um, and how you access kind of like Joe Dispenza, un, um, unified field of infinite potentials, no body, no mind, you're just pure consciousness. And that is going to help you play in the realm. If you don't really understand it, it's going to be hard to play in that and to actually overcome your 3D reality. But the biggest thing for me, which I feel like not a lot of people talk about is actually the present moment. It's actually to practice the present moment. So you can do all the techniques and things, the five, five, five affirmation method, the two cup method, um, scripting, all this stuff, which is beautiful. But again, if you're not creating a change in your energy, then you're not actually creating a change at all. And not just that, but it's a sustainable change. And so the thing is, to realize that the quantum realm can only be accessed in the present, cannot be accessed in the past or the future. And in fact, time is actually an illusion in the quantum. There is no past and future. You cannot wait to play in the quantum now. You can only uh, play in the quantum later, sorry. You can only decide to do it now. And so if you are able to practice being present as much as you can throughout the day, you will be playing in the quantum because when you're present, time doesn't exist constructs don't exist, limitations don't exist, restrictions don't exist, limiting beliefs don't exist, patterns don't exist. So you can even, you don't have to go through and do all this big subconscious work if you don't want to, right? Mm. There's so many different paths in which you can take it. But for me, the easiest and most potent way is continually asking yourself, am I in the present moment? And the more you live in that, the more you'll be able to create a quantum reality. And then from that point, you can decide to integrate certain practices that help you stay in the quantum and stay in the present, whether that be journaling and meditation and so on. Mm, mm, Yeah, that is so big. What sort of meditation do you practice? I like to practice like transcendental meditation. Um, I might like have a mantra or an affirmation that I say, or just like watching my breath. It's very much like non-attachment here, practicing the present moment, watching my thoughts and not really like getting involved in any more mind stuff, but just being present in that moment. Um, I actually, to be honest, I don't meditate that much because I don't believe that you have to meditate in order to access quantum. I know it's a big thing that Joe Dispenza talks about and you have to change your brainwaves and all of this, but to me, it's just a decision. If you just decide that it's happening, it's working, again, um, atoms respond to your observation and what you focus on. And so for many people, I think they meditate a lot of the time, but, you know, throughout their day, are you in a state of meditation, which Buddha says, don't just meditate, live in a state of meditation. I think that's really powerful as well. And so meditation can be super powerful and super like, it can really help you get into that transcendental state where you're able to access and just like time and space and everything disappears. But the most important thing for me is just practicing it all of the time, mm-hmm. living in a state of meditation. Um, so I just want to make people aware as well, like, you don't have to meditate all the time. And I do not meditate daily. In fact. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think we, well, from what I'm hearing, it's like that awareness piece. You know, if you're constantly aware of how you're being thinking, then it's almost like I'm almost mini, it's almost like mini meditations, you know, because you're Mm -hmm. aware of how you're being, how you're acting, what you're allowing in. I mean, there's a lot of pieces perhaps to the awareness. So, you know, there's boundaries like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let that thought in. I'm not going to let that person in. I'm not going, you know, there's a lot of, when you're staying in that present moment, you've really got to be quite clear on what you are willing to come into that force field in a way. Yeah, I think it is. But at the same time, present awareness is also the acceptance of what is your reality. So Mm -hmm. you can set boundaries, but there's a big difference between boundaries and resistance. And being present and having awareness is actually the practice of non-resistance or non-attachment. And so it's not about controlling your reality because that is actually in itself not living in the quantum, but it's about accepting it. The paradox is, you can accept something, but still change it. But a lot of people like try to manipulate their reality with when in that you create more resistance and then you take yourself deeper out of the quantum. So boundaries and stuff is awesome. It's really important. I am like the queen of boundaries. Sometimes I can be a little bit of a bitch because of the way that I set my boundaries. I'm very strict, you know, like media people, um, all the different things, but it's also realizing that true consciousness is being able to see and experience all of the things, whatever life has to offer in this present moment and still staying deeply present in consciousness. And that's the state, which is like the ultimate. So I often say there's like three um, states of consciousness that people go through. First is in a meditation state. So eyes closed, shutting out all the senses. Um, and so there's no external stimuli to distract you. It's very easy to get into a state of present awareness and consciousness because there's your own, you're going fully in. The next state is actually eyes open. So being awakened when you are awake, eyes open, noticing things, sitting in a quiet area, maybe out in nature and just experiencing the stimuli and practicing non-attachment and non-resistance, whatever comes, whatever is and allow it to be. And then the third stage is when you're just full force in all of it. So, you know, even in this interview right now, we can practice presence and still be aware and practice non-resistance. If you're listening to this as well, you don't actually have to be in a state of meditation and shut off all your senses in order to be conscious. But a lot of people, they think, well, I have to remove myself from the situation in order to be present and conscious, which for many people at the beginning, yes, but ultimately the the true goal, I don't really like to call it a goal because then we put it in the future, but what the, the true purpose is, is really to be able to practice this amidst all of the chaos and all of the things whilst also setting boundaries, but not necessarily resisting it either. Mm. Yeah. Where does, as you're talking, I'm thinking there's, where does the ego come into that? Or is that the letting go of attachment and just uh, accepting for what it is right now? Yeah. So the ego is um, the thing that attaches. The ego is the mind. The ego lives um, outside of the present moment. So Mm. if you're in the present moment, the ego can't really survive, which is really important. So that's why my number one technique, quote unquote technique, is not really a technique or a method, just come into the present moment. It all dissolves. Your ego can't survive. Your mind can't survive for um, a 
elongated period of time unless you use your mind as a tool in the present moment. Mm. But your thoughts and your mind can't exist for very long. Constructs dissolve because there's no past, future, hierarchy, sequences, limitations, restriction, all this stuff. And so in that, you're able to come to that place. I know a lot of people like to do mind work, subconscious work, work with the ego, limiting beliefs and patterns and trauma and untethering from all this stuff, which is beautiful. And you can do that as well, especially for deep rooted stuff. But if you come back into the present moment and consistently live in here, you don't even have to worry about the ego anymore or patterns or trauma anymore because it gets to dissolve naturally as part of your experience. So the ego is there. It's it's always going to be there. I mean, ultimately, you're not going to come to this totally unconditioned state. We often set this unrealistic goal for ourselves. The goal isn't actually to be present all of the time, to be totally removed from the ego and the mind all of the time. The goal is to just continue to come back into present. So every time you slip out is to come back in, just like meditation. Every time you notice a thought, you then detach from the thought. And so this takes a lot of pressure off us rather than like, oh my goodness, berating ourselves and judging ourselves slipping out and for going to a state of unconsciousness or for playing in the ego and playing in time. Just like, oh, okay, notice I slipped out. Let me bring myself back um, in this gentle observer type of way, rather than like getting so strict about it. Mm, Yeah, because I feel like there's this, um, you know, when we do, like, I'm very um, live and let live in many respects. I feel like um, there is no right or wrong in, you know, we only have our own truth. There isn't. Right. There is no right right or wrong in the quantum. That's right. And we all have just our own truth, which, you know, we feel, some people feel very strongly about. and so. I find I struggle a little more. I struggle with the, I have to be right. Like I myself, like I don't the ego. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not like, I don't feel like I always have to be right. I'm always uh, open to what other people are saying, but I just notice in, um, you know, conversations, there's this real need to say, well, no, it's like this. And often the past is brought up, you know, of, of how things, you, you know, how things were, or you did this. And it's like, that's the ego trying to exercise its importance and to say, mm-hmm. well, um, and I guess, you know, for me, I have a little bit longer for my neuro pathways to have formed a nice little river, <laughs> nice little river <laughs> to kind of, um, you know, retrain and refocus that and to say to, and to let it go. And it's like melting butter, melting, you know, just coconut oil. I kind of like that, you know, it just kind of uh, becomes this fluid feeling where I don't need to have that attachment or, and, and when somebody wants to be right, it's like, well, okay. So you're, you know, there you're right. Exactly. And it's just noticing as well, where does that need come from? Like, yes, it's the ego, but often it's again to solidify and protect our identity or what I like to call external identity, which is one of the constructs. It's like, if I am not right, then I am unworthy, then I am unacceptable, then I am not loved, then I am taken off the pedestal, then my reputation is tarnished, whatever comes up, it's noticing and coming back to, I am who I I am. That's a statement. I am. I am pure consciousness. I am pure energy. I am God. I'm one with divine source, whatever you like to call it. And no matter nothing in this external world can impact my true essence of who I am 
underneath all of that. And when you recognize that and you tap into this deeper place, you no longer care about being right or wrong or, or what people think of your judgments or opinions, because that has nothing to do with who you actually are. Um, so it's just like uncovering that a little bit more as well can really help understanding like, why am I so obsessed with protecting my side or um, my identity as well? Mm. I think a lot of people are very co-dependent as well. I think it's, you know, go might even go back to what you were saying before, how we don't want to be uh, left out from the, the herd. You know, we don't yeah. want to stand on our own for fear of that rejection or for fear that, you know, we might not be accepted and, and liked. And I think it's a lot easier to agree or to be part of somebody else, that codependent sort of, you know, feeling where you don't actually stand in your own truth because that's, that can be scary for people. Mm -hmm. Can be. Mm. And I, yeah, I'm just thinking how, you know, when, when people are wanting to bring into their reality, this whole concept of, there is no time, you know, no thing, um, no mind, you know, it's, it's, it sounds very complicated and yet it's very simple. Mm, it's actually our natural state of being, which is why when I teach, quote unquote, teach quantum, it's more actually of a remembering. I have a class called quantum course, so called quantum mastery. The first um, module is called remembering the quantum and realizing that all this being in time, being constructs, being in the mind, being in the ego is actually not our natural state of being. We've adopted that through society, through <laughs> times, through living in this conditioned state. And so this is the thing. It's remembering who you are underneath that. You know, when a baby is born, it's just such a pure soul of light and it just doesn't, it isn't burdened with all these things. But as we grow old, all of a sudden, this is what's appropriate. This is what's not. These are the rules. This is how you operate. This is how you need to regulate your emotions and all this type of stuff. And so it becomes so much easier when you realize you are actually no mind, no thing, no time, no body, no identity, and, and coming back into that infinite space of, again, the deeper question, who am I? Who am I? Can cause such an identity crisis, existential crisis. And it often happens when we have big shifts in our life, you know, a divorce or redundancy or loss of a loved one, because we've attached our identity to all these things, mother, father, sister, you know, worker, business owner, wife. And mm. then when these things are severed, we start to question our identity because we've attached to these external things. And so it's actually realizing you're underneath that. Who are you? Who were you before you came into this physical body? Who will you be after you exit this physical body? you are a soul, you are consciousness. One of my favorite um, Disney movies, Soul, I don't know if you've watched it, but essentially no, it's like these souls get born into the physical world, into a body. But before that, they're just souls coming, you know, living in the quantum, doing all this fun stuff. And it's realizing that's who you are at your core and your essence. And that this, this is just your avatar. This is just your human experience in this 
world in this one moment, we get to play and do whatever we want. But underneath that, you might've had so many lives. You might've been a man in another life. You might've done all these different things if you believe in past and future lives. Mm. But underneath that, your soul and your consciousness is the only thing that is ever consistent. Nothing else in this life is permanent except for the consciousness and the being underneath it all. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to take a little minute to, to, you know, process that <laughs> because it is, it's, it's very, it's just very expanding to consider life like that when there have been, again, you know, there are people and groups who don't necessarily want us to think that way or don't want us to, you know, it's, it's almost like there's this control of, of, you know, how do we think about things? And I love that we're able to talk about this different way of thinking because it is, it actually feels so much freer and with so much more possibility and that, that, um, the expansion it's, you know, it's just, it just feels so luxurious to be able to think about, imagine what life is like in this realm, you know, because we know that what we focus on, we get, you know, where our attention goes is what we receive back. So imagine if we change that perspective and looked through a different lens and to see what, what's possible and how that can impact us and impact ultimately, would you say happiness? Kind of. I kind of like the word like being content or peace or, you know, the peace that passes all understanding, which they often say in a lot of religious teachings and texts. It's like this awakening experience, it's beyond happiness. I think a lot of people see happiness as, you know, this excited, elated, ecstatic version. But when you look at all these deeply spiritual teachers who have obtained this, this state, you know, enlightenment, you know, Jesus, Buddha, whoever, it's like, they're not super excited or super ecstatic or crazy. It's like this deeper underlying peace that emanates from them because they are one with divine source. And this is why when we often play in this, this scale of emotions, there's the up and down because everything has an opposite, happiness and sadness and all this stuff. But peace and this true inner contentment of being, it doesn't have an opposite. And so it is your, you know, your, your homeostasis. It is your natural state of being, the equilibrium that you come back to. And so it's actually deeper. I mean, it's whatever the words actually don't mean anything. You have to experience feelings, whatever you like to call it, if you call it happiness. But I personally have experienced, it's like, there's this happiness. And then there's like this deeper peace, which is just so even beyond that is expansive. As you talked about is spaciousness. It is not even just like a happiness. It's not like a positive. It is everything. It's an amalgamation of all the emotions. Love is also what peace, love. If you look at the, the scale of consciousness, map of consciousness, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. There's a measurement of the frequency on the side and then it goes from, you know, despair or grief goes all the way up. And Fear. the top emotions, yeah, are peace, love and gratitude mm. so, and joy. Those are the top emotions. And if you look on the side, often there's a color chart. So it starts off as like what red, purple, whatever goes all the way up. And then eventually it actually goes into 
white. And if you think about the color white, what is it? It's actually the amalgamation of every single color. It's not the absence of color. There's the amalgamation of all color. And so the emotions of peace and love is not the absence of the negative emotions or the absence of other emotions. It's the amalgamation of all emotions. You experience life as one big experience and you're accepting that as it is. And so it's beautiful. And like many of us have had glimpses of that in meditation, in hypnosis, in whatever state, in the quantum state, and coming back to realizing that this is our natural state of being. We get to live in that all of the time. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And, you know, even like in nature, or I feel looking out when we go to the edge of like the sand and look out towards the sunset or the sunrise, just as it's coming up. And we feel that sense of oneness and unity and connection with our environment, ourselves. You know, I've I've just experienced that. And that is my white, you know, that's that bliss, that, Mm -hmm. um, that contentment, that, that feeling of everything is perfection. It is. It's all perfect, but it's also equally imperfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's just so much beautiful goodness in, in what we've we've shared and, and you've shared and talked about. And I I just feel that one of actually one of the things that I know that helped me was to find people who are expanders or who are having these sorts of conversations because it's really hard to have a conversation with somebody who has never experienced what you're talking about right because mm-hmm. there are many people that feel that they have to see proof or you know in order for me to understand that I have to feel it myself i i guess the the point i'm making is that if you're interested in something like this find people like you like me who are experiencing these shifts, experiencing these, this, this way of thinking, this way of being, because when you start to play in this field and then suddenly like all these magical experiences happen, that's where, and then that's where the possibility arises. Yes, it's so powerful. Connect you and be with people who expand you. I mean, we're all ultimately one and energy feeds off one another. And they say you're the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. So it's really important. But even if you don't have those people around you, you get to be in your power and and create that energetic shift and allow other people to experience that as well. So, so, so powerful, Jenny. Yeah, well, I just have had a beautiful experience here today, Katie. I'm so thankful that you've come on and you've shared where you're coming from and what you experience. And I hope, I'm sure that it's inspired others. And, you know, I'll put in the show notes how people can get in touch with you and if they want to work with you. And I just want to say so much gratitude to you for coming on today and sharing the beauty that you are. 
Thank you so much, Jenny, for having me on. This is actually one of my favorite conversations. I feel like we went into so many deep things. And thank you all for everyone who's listening as well. If you want to know more about me or just connect with me, definitely head over to my Instagram at katie.wilkinson with two ends at the end. I'm active every single day over there. And I'm sure there'll be more links in the show notes as well. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much for sharing your time with me today. I hope you enjoyed the energy we created and gained further insights around what fulfillment means to you. If you love the vibe and want to live a more inspired life, I offer one-on-one coaching with my Foundation for Fulfillment signature course. More freedom, more fulfillment, starting now. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Share and leave a review to let others know how this podcast made you feel. And remember, there is no ceiling, only the one you create. So keep raising the roof. Till next time.